Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash new music industry. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. CEO of Single Music, Tommy Stalnick. How are you today, Tommy? Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. So if my friends are thinking about starting an e-commerce store and they're wondering what platform to use, I always tell them to go with Shopify and they're often pleased with the recommendation. And I've also explored the viability of using Shopify as an online music store as well, which is why I'm excited for this conversation. So tell us about Single Music. What is it? Yeah, so uh, we make music distribution tools for Shopify. I think it's the simplest way to describe the kind of the overarching tool that we created. But really what we do is three main things with a, a fourth on the way. It's uh, direct-to-consumer digital sales, behind the scenes, fully white-labeled behind an artist's site. We do the reporting of sales, both physical and digital, to both BuzzAngle or Alpha Data Now and SoundScan. So that's the billboard and, as of today, the Rolling Stone charts. And uh, we do bundling of digital and physical together. So artists are able to include digital copies of the records with things like T-shirts and vinyl and that kind of thing. And then also have those count as scannable sales on the charts. That's great. And we're going to get into all that for sure. First thing I wanted to ask was what makes Shopify great? Why is it the right platform for musicians? Yeah, I mean... There's a couple of ways I could take that question, and I'm sure over the time of our conversation we can get into a little bit more of that. One is based on like a revenue side of things, but I think I'll take a more holistic approach to it. Because it's such a big company and because it's such a big platform and you have, I think the last time they said 100,000 merchants on the platform and an open app ecosystem, which is what we're integrated with that it enables a lot more extendability and customization than most other platforms allow. So you're using the, the same, Shopify is the same platform that like Kylie Jenner and different companies use. Like I think Tesla is on there and Red Bull and all these people. So mm. you know that they're, since they're agnostic to what the person is selling, they've made an extremely powerful platform around their integrations and then payment processing and all that kind of stuff too. But the biggest thing that we saw that was missing was the music side of things. So we like the fact that it's used by so many people that they haven't opened, but their APIs are incredible for us and they've got a lot of places to extend it. And why we kind of jumped into it was basically, and, and that's a little bit more of my background too, was basically to say, look, there's this massive platform that's really successful and why don't we make it also successful for musicians? Yeah, that's great. And it's true. I mean, there's a lot of other platforms out there. I mean, potentially people could use something like WordPress, but then you're talking about so many third-party integrations and apps. And I know Shopify, that's that's part of its strength too, is actually that it has all those plugins, so to speak. But uh, I think with other platforms, it might just be a cumbersome mess where you have to tie in so many different tools and, and pay for many of them too, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously we're a paid service and so we integrate through Shopify's app store, but the ease of the ease of use and 
of that particular environment is kind of like having an app store on your phone. So mm. uh, you're, uh, people are used to being able to have a one-click install process and all that kind of, uh, kind of that process. So we wanted to make sure that it was just as simple to use us as it was an app like you're using on your phone. So being able to go in where a one-click installation and get started allows people to not have to worry about like we handle everything about the product updates and and all that kind of stuff and we we handle all the we try to make it to where it's as seamless of an experience as possible as opposed to artists need to be able to focus on their music they don't need to worry about updating their website or like making sure that it's up to date with compliance and that kind of thing <laughs> that is the dream right to be able to focus on the, your creative vision as opposed to all the administrative tasks that come along with it yeah and that was partially what my background was in. So I came from a merchandiser based in Nashville where we had, so I, I personally was the one that developed the sites for like Charlie Daniels and Kenny Rogers and Sam Hunt and a lot of people here. And we had a division of the company that was an e-commerce division. I, I was overseeing the the music development division and kept hearing the, the issues that the e-com guys were having with Shopify. There was about 60 shops that we had on there and they were largely things that were easily solvable. It would just take some time to do it around like direct to consumer digital and reporting those sales and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was my background kind of came from the fact of, all right, you're already, so we were working with predominantly art, artists from really on indies all the way up to the majors, but people that were trying to do what you just said, automating to where somebody else can take care of the website or take care of filling their orders and that kind of thing. So I, took the approach of starting the company of saying, look, I know there's all these issues. We can't be the only company that are having these issues and basically made the solution for the companies like I was working for, but made it publicly available. So any independent artists could also use it as well. Yeah. Which I'm sure like independent artists are going to be thrilled to hear that. Do you think there's any difference between a major artist using it or an independent artist using it in terms of functionality or the results they would get? Not particularly. So the way I would say it's about 50-50, if not 60-40 split between us having major label artists and independents. Mm. So we have a, a close to a thousand artists that are using the, the system now. And all the tools that we create are built to work with the highest end, but made simplistically to where you could in your garage or your room use the same tools. So we work with major merchandisers like Live Nation merch and they represent the stores for the Foo Fighters and Nora Jones and, and a lot of other people. So in the same respect, you could be in your room making music and using the same tools that the teams behind the Foo Fighters are using. So it's uh, the results obviously are more varied on particular artists, but I've seen in indies selling better than majors because the campaigns that they run and the merchandise that they sell was better and independent artists can still sell fairly well when they just come up with something unique or they have a rabid, a rabid enough fan base to purchase from them. So it's, it's pretty crazy. We've seen artists that I'm not going to name any names, but they would sell all of 10 hoodies and because the, the merchandise wasn't that great. And then an independent will come out and sell 5,000 bundles or 5,000 vinyl and that kind of thing. So it definitely, you'd be surprised. Yeah. And I think a contributing factor too is like these days, independent artists can just be more agile and, and turn on a dime if they need to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, part of, 
part of the things that like the tools that now exist in the past when I was even working for that old company. And if you're talking even before that, you'd have to build out your own shopping cart on something like WordPress or pay thousands of dollars to a developer to do it before systems like Shopify came along to where they have all the tools and all the compliance. Like most people don't realize that one of the biggest expenditures in doing your own shopping cart is keeping up with the payment processor and compliance around that data and all that kind of stuff. So being able to rely on a much larger company that can handle all of that is a godsend, both for us and for the artists. So Shopify handles all that kind of compliance stuff. But the part that's really nice about it is because it's freed up artists to be able to use the same tools as everybody else, they don't have to necessarily, they can focus more on the music side. Yeah, I mean, especially compared to back in the day with Derek Siver starting CD Baby and having to get a merchant account and set up a buy button and just getting to that point alone was uh, costly and very time intensive. Yeah, exactly. And and nowadays they can do things like that same app store that we're in, print on demand merch. So if you're an independent artist that doesn't even have merchandise, you can start out with print on demand before you have to do the age old thing of buying a thousand shirts and then you wind up with 999 of them in a closet. So this way you've got the ability to, to kind of be more lean at the beginning. And then as you grow, you can fix your margins by then ordering what you know will sell and then moving up through the the career of, okay, print on demand to actually purchasing inventory to, to kind of move up through that. And just artists didn't have the ability to do that in the past. Mm hmm. One of the things I read up on on your blog was about crowdfunding. So in the wake of issues with popular platforms like Pledge Music, it certainly seems like there's an opportunity to fill a niche, but how is your solution different? Well, the biggest way that I think that we're different is we can't mess up your money. Um, Obviously, everyone knows the main, main issues with Pledge were around they would take in the funds and they would allocate funds to other places in the business. And then once those funds didn't come back in, they weren't able to pay out. And then that snowballs. It's, I mean, I'm not calling pledge by any means like a Ponzi scheme or anything like that, but it's a similar model to where it's like, you've got it to where the the money isn't going to the right places. And then it ends up just biting you later because you can't pay what you owe. So single is a little bit different in our financial model that we bill based on usage for the prior month through the Shopify subscription. So to explain that it's kind of a, and if you were to sell, the best way to explain it is let's just say you're selling digital records on your store and you put up the records using Single onto Shopify to sell directly to your fans and then nobody buys anything. You're not going to pay anything. In the When then somebody comes and does buy something from you, we do 15 cents a track capped at $2 for an album. So let's just say they come and buy an album from you. Then that would be $2 for the album that you just sold. The money's already in your account. So the fan is paying you directly through Shopify. So the money's in your account in two to three days. And at the end of the month, we say, hey, uh, you already have made your money and then this is how much you had. And then using the same credit card that they use to pay Shopify, our invoice is included in that. So unlike Pledge, where they hold your money and then they could potentially not pay you with Single and Shopify, fans are paying you directly. The money's in your account in about two to three days. And then we just bill at the end of the month. But in addition to that, because we use that fixed rate pricing system, things like uh, Pledge and Bandcamp and other ones, they take a percentage of your physical merchandise off of the gross. 
So if you're selling, obviously one of the big things that happens in crowdfunding is that you'll have those higher dollar packages and tiers. So it's like 10, let's say it's a hundred bucks or 500 bucks or whatever. If you were going based off of a percentage model, that means that the, the commission is going to be 10 bucks or 15 bucks. And it just depends on what the percentage is where with single, we only monetize the digital portion of that and Shopify handles the physical. So the max that we can ever charge on any individual order is $2. So it ends up being way more lucrative to artists of all types because you keep 100% of your physical revenue and then you're only charged if you have a digital record attached to it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think probably part of the traditional crowdfunding model is just that in some cases there could be cash flow issues whereas what you're talking about is you know all flat rates and there's very little that could go wrong yeah i mean it's flat rates and the i mean the best part about it is the company that is backing the payments is a 16 billion dollar publicly traded company so i'm not really worried about them going anywhere anytime soon yes absolutely that's huge now, traditionally, the problem with selling or having your music streamed through another platform was that you didn't really get to keep any of the audience data. Uh, there are advancements in, in this area for sure, but what I liked about your platform is that you can see exactly who bought from you. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, part of it is we don't want to reinvent the wheel of what Shopify already gives you. So yes. when you sell di directly to consumer, regardless of industry, music especially though, but you when you're selling direct you get to you have to send them that t-shirt so you have the address of the person you get the information around those sales so a lot of that information is typically behind the black box of iTunes and Amazon and that kind of stuff they hold on to that data and they exploit that same thing but when you sell direct you are the Amazon you are the iTunes and so you have the, the right to know who's buying from you and the cool thing with excuse me, with Shopify specifically is that they do everything from like, this is how much this particular person has purchased from you over the lifetime of your store. So you can granularly say that this is like the top fan that has spent the most on my website. And the best thing that we recommend doing is finding those people and incentivizing them, saying like, hey, like reach out to them, say thank you very much for being a very big fan and I don't know, do whatever kind of promotion you want to do for them. Give them some percentage off or invite them to a show. But just it allows you to really see who your biggest fans are. Yeah. And as an author of four books on Amazon, yeah, I don't get to see any of that audience data. So I've learned to be very intentional and strategic about that in the sense that I include opt-in offers in my books. So that's something I've started doing. And, and that way, at least I can drive some of that traffic back to to me and, and I can be in touch with them for future offers but it's so much better to just have that at your fingertips yeah I mean I think the part that I try to explain to, to music in general is every industry not just music is moving more towards a direct-to-consumer model hmm. strictly because the technology now exists so if you think of what I mentioned earlier you've got like Kylie and those other people that, yeah, they sell cosmetics, but they're using Shopify because they're selling direct. They are their own storefront. So they're able to control a lot more of the information flow and know who they're, I mean, because it's their fans too. It's effectively the same thing. So explaining to, to music, look, we're typically five, 10 years behind the curve when most other industries have moved to a particular thing. And direct to consumer we see is kind of the next front of it because now 
there's just so much access to that that didn't exist before. So we're trying to explain is like, look, you get to keep more of your revenue. You keep more of the data. You're creating the information flow directly between you and your fans. You're creating those connections. So you don't need to just default to these larger players anymore. There's definitely better solutions that exist out there. And we just want to be a toolkit that enables artists to, to do that. Mm. That's something for me to be mindful of as well. And another cool feature of single music is that your sales get reported to SoundScan. Tell us why that's important. Well, I mean, whenever somebody asks me whether or not reporting is important, I'm like, do you want a number one record? I mean, that's in order for you to achieve a number one record, you have to report your sales to the charts. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as that. But the, the big thing is, is a lot of times independent artists specifically haven't ever thought about that. Or they just think that it's this big convoluted thing, which it can be to, to set up yourself. But what we try to do is make it level the playing field, say, look, you have access to report your sales to the same places. And so what that's enabled us to do, I can actually tell specifically. So we had a, a guy named uh, Peter Hollins. He's a, a big YouTube sensation. I think he's got like 2 million followers on there, but he does, he's, his team behind him is fantastic around the merchandising and, and he sells vinyl and CDs like you wouldn't believe, hmm. but he had a new album that was coming out a couple months ago. And when he came to us, I think it was the, either the Wednesday or the Thursday night prior to the Friday, which would be street date. And he said, Hey, I've got all of these sales that I didn't think that I was going to be able to report. And they were talking to SoundScan because they saw how many that they had been selling and, and they were kind of scrambling for it. And in 10 minutes we were able to use, we've got a, a fantastic system that can go back and find those orders. But we went back they were able to get, I think it was about 5,000 orders scanned. So 5,000 CDs or vinyls scanned, and he got a number one record on the classical charts that he basically attributed to us and said, I wouldn't have been able to do that without you guys. And so now he can tell that he's got a number one record. And when you have a number one, that helps everything from tour promotion to get uh, like how you're going to get particular venues and, and play on radio. I mean, obviously, classical is a little bit different, but... You get what I'm saying is the more when you have those numbers and you're on those chart positions, it gives you a lot more leeway when you're going to approach people to advance the later parts of your career and the other things that you're trying to do. I'm sure there are some musicians going, hold on, I can still sell CDs like vinyl is one thing, but I thought CD sales were dead. I mean, actually, I've... that is a myth. It is crazy because we see because part of it, I think, is just people owning a tangible thing and they might not necessarily know. So there's nothing there's nothing correlates between that I bought the CD and I actually listened to it. But I think a lot of fans want to support artists and they understand that CDs are a better way to support them in the age of streaming or at least purchasing something from them. Hmm. So we see artists that sell cassettes. We see them selling CDs, <laughs> vinyls. I'm, but it's really just because the fan wants something tangible to hold on to. And I'm sure obviously some of them listen to the, the CDs and the vinyl. But yeah, I mean, it's it's. It surprised us when we released our physical reporting tools, how much of those like tapes would sell in the CDs. Yeah, absolutely. I actually talked to John Ojaka from Music Marketing Manifesto recently, and that was one of the biggest tips he left us with was the fact that music sales are still a thing. You just got to figure out the method for, for selling yeah. your, your product. And I just had a, I did a podcast with John not too long ago. Oh, there you um, go. 
So I don't even know if that one's out yet, but he's, he and I had a, an hour and a half long conversation talking about a lot of this stuff. And he, he gets very granular on the, the click funnels and all that kind of stuff too. But yes. it was, uh, yeah, but it was cool. Yeah. He's all about the funnels and, uh, you know, there's certainly some advantages that I see, uh, using that method as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're kind of doubling back in a sense, but I would love to hear the story behind single music. What prompted you to create it? So it was funny. So I'd had the idea. So like I said, I was working for that company and they had a merch division and saw the issues and just said, why doesn't somebody create that? And I've always kind of been the type of person, even when I was working with that company that was fairly entrepreneurial, there was actually a product that that company owned that was called bombplates.com. And it was similar to a band Zoogle or like, it was like a Squarespace for musicians. And I was about 23 at the time and they had just, uh, just purchased it and nobody was really stepping up to, to take it on. So I, I walked into the CEO's office and said, I want to, to run that division of the company. And basically it was just, okay. And so I got to, to play around in the startup mode, but underneath somebody else running, uh, basically a web platform for independent artists. And that was where I got the initial bug to, to build stuff and to try to create something that people would use outside of just doing like building individual websites client wise, you know what I mean? Like actually building a widget that people would use and then could install and creating a product. Hmm. And then I, when I saw the issues that Shopify was having, so here we're based in Nashville and one of the first years, I think it was the first year that the music biz convention was here in town. I was sitting down next to a guy and he was with another company that was similar to the one I was working for. And we were just discussing Shopify and stuff. And I told him that I had this idea and he just said, that sounds like a great idea. You should pursue that. And then that would have been 2015. That night I went home and text my now co-founder and said, Hey, I've got this idea. Uh, what do you think? It, Cause he was basically the only, well, he's a, my college roommate. So he's a very good friend of mine, but also he's the only backend engineer that I knew. And so we, I said, Hey, I got this idea. And it was, wasn't even much of a conversation. He just said, yeah, let's do it. And so we, we built the co company, quit the company that I was working for so I could freelance, but we basically just built it in our free time. And then uh, bootstrapped it up until we launched it in January 1 of 2018. We, we launched it and started with the digital distribution tools and then baked in the physical reporting. And the, the first record that we reported physical for was Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour. So that was a, a number one, which was really cool. And then uh, we still, like, we only, we didn't really raise any money at any points. We, at at one point we did like a friends and family say, Hey, we could use some help to jumpstart this a little bit. And so we've been going really full time on the company since October of 2018. Mm. And since, and since then we've seen basically like a 300% growth in our artists installs. And it's been pretty cool to see it to come on. And then some of the artists, like I said, the, the Foo Fighters and Nine Inch Nails and Nirvana and these people coming on and you're sitting there, getting kind of giddy like a kid seeing these people that you've idolized your entire life starting to use your your widget so it's really cool mm, bootstrapping i love that what sort of uh, freelancing were you doing in the interim 
uh, building Shopify stores oh. mostly. So I would cool. build websites and build stores. Um, I did stores for Nat Geo, like National Geographic. They had a project that I worked on, and I also worked with like Steve Werner. Did his website. Worked, did some websites for some production companies in town. Then I also there was this company that was called um, Sixty, and I'm pretty sure they're still around, but they did live video chat where. So prior to when I worked at an agency, that agency, I was working in an Apple store. So I was working at like the quasi genius bar. I was mm. fixing iPhones. And so like right in between selling stuff and being a genius is where I was and I was fixing iPhones. And that's actually, I met the guy that I, from that agency that I started working for, I was fixing his phone. So, uh, Anyway, so I, I had the, that customer service mindset, especially on the technical side of things. And then I started working for this company or as a freelancer for this company called 60, which is kind of like a Lyft or an Uber for developers, but on Squarespace and Shopify. Hmm. So people would have video chats with me and tell me what their problem was. And I would code right in front of them and design with them and that kind of thing. And, and that basically was my job outside of taking in individual contracts while we worked on single uh, on the other side. So a lot of freelancing, a lot of like kind of customer support ish stuff, but I was able to, to do it freelance on my own terms, which was good. Yeah. I love that story. You know, as someone who's done his fair share of freelancing and mostly content development, because I am a writer, uh, I can appreciate the the hard work that went into all that. Yeah, it was a lot. I mean, when you leave a company and you're, you're very, for anybody that's trying to start a business and you have your idea and you're very gung ho and, or you're going to freelance it while you're starting your other business, you always leave and you think that it's going to be like super easy right off the start. And it always takes longer than it does. So there's definitely a few nights where my fiance and I couldn't eat dinner <laughs> and then you'd like sleep on the, and that kind of thing. So luckily past that point, but I, I think everybody kind of goes through it if you choose to take the route of, just kind of jumping in head first and going for it. Exactly. Like I landed a pretty sizable contract earlier this year and I was like, well, that's going to care for my basic needs. And then I found that it actually did swallow up a lot of my time. So that, that can be, yeah, goes. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The big well, the ones that'll pay well are the ones that take up the most of your time. So it's just a trade off and, and knowing that is good. Yes, Absolutely. So is there anything else I should have asked about single music? I have a few other questions, but uh, those were the main ones I had related to, to your platform. Um, I mean, for the most part, we have some things that we are currently beta testing that we're really excited about that we can get into. One of them is called Boost Links, but the, the idea behind Boost Links is to bring bundles into the streaming age. Mm -hmm. So... Predominantly one of the reasons why major labels are, and artists do attach their digital albums to things like t-shirts and everything is so they can turn those into scannable sales. So fans, whether or not they actually want those digital records, will receive a digital copy so the, the artists can scan it. And we try to make the, the process as simple as possible, both on the fans, so like, so the difference between most places, excuse me, and us is on single fans are able to get lossless audio directly from the artist, so they can get like wave files. So they're getting the highest quality that's not typically available through streaming services. I wanted to make something that was also kind of marketing and promotional that fed people or fed your fans into the streaming services or the different places that you are online. So 
we released something that's called Boost Links that allows an artist to attach campaigns to physical merch. So when a fan buys something like a T-shirt, they'll receive a message that says, hey, like, thank you for your purchase. Why don't you pre-add my record on your preferred service or subscribe to me on YouTube or find me on Twitch and Discord? We actually added some pretty unique services in there, too. And it's a way for to bring that bundling idea into the streaming age where, hey, look, thank you for buying something, but why don't you listen to my record or add my record or save my record where you're going to actually consume it as opposed to just forcing the bundle every time. In episode 40 of the podcast, I talked about bundling and packaging your music products to maximize earnings. It's just so surprising to me that uh, artists sometimes have some mindset blocks around that because they don't think people would want to spend more with them. But my thing is, why wouldn't you have a 200? No, of course. Yeah, and, and I completely agree. I mean, the cool thing is, is we built our service to be compatible with our digital service. Hmm. So you can run kind of customized campaigns around, hey, here's an instant grad track lossless, or here's the album lossless. But if you don't want to download it right now, here you can automatically follow me on Spotify or add it there. But we also, that's why I said we try to add in some more of the unique places because artists might be selling and they may have fans that have already followed them on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever, but they might not know that you're on YouTube and they might not know that you're, you have Patreon or you run a Discord thing or a channel or you have Twitch or uh, we tr- we've tried to kind of come up with a lot of the different things that most people don't necessarily think about could, because the world's of gaming and music are so related and video and how all of these networks are all related. It's another way to kind of bring you back into your funnel after a sale as well. So totally agree on the bundle side of things. We just wanted to make it to where it's, it works on both ways. Mm, I love that. That's great. What's the biggest challenge you've encountered or obstacle you've overcome as an entrepreneur? I think when you, so even though I worked for a previous company that had a lot of large clients, when you're starting out a new company, your new thing, people want to know what you've done at the new thing. So labels that you've worked with before, management groups don't necessarily care because you don't, that you worked with them before or that you've had, I mean, obviously it helps, but they don't, they want to know if the new thing that you're doing is going to work. So sometimes it takes longer to convince people that even though you've worked with them for a long time, that what you're working on has value. And then over time, that snowball comes back and you say, okay, look, we're still doing it. We're still working on it. So I think a lot of it is just explaining people at the beginning, you're you get, getting your first users and then going back to the ones that you've known for a long time and say, look, you might not have been an early adopter, but we're still here. And this is how much, how far we've grown since we last talked. Yeah. I think it's true that like either on the industry side or even on the musician side, there's some skepticism to overcome either way. But once they see that what you have to do, uh, add to them is, is valuable, then they accept it as something worthwhile. It makes the conversation a lot easier when you're saying, look, I'm not another platform for you to, to move your stuff over to. And the setup is there's all this big setup or whatever. We're, our whole thing is let's go to where artists are. And a lot of major artists and independents are on Shopify. So we said, let's just go to them. Let's let's build the tools that we can fix for them as opposed to saying, hey, you have to change everything. And it makes, again, it also makes the conversation a lot easier when you're saying, look, I'm not touching your money and we are taking less than basically anyone else. So you can still have full control over it. There's a lot of pros by doing it that way. 
So it makes the a lot less friction when you're going and doing the sales process. And what's the biggest victory you've experienced as an entrepreneur? Launching, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if you think about it, you you work on something in your free time for two and a half, three years, and it comes from just an idea to actually doing it, but you never feel like the launch is going to come. So the launch was a big one. Just getting it out there was definitely a big one. The next ones is now just, we like to grow our team and we want to make sure that we're providing value to our artists and are able to, to, to bring more, I mean, both creating the jobs thing from our side perspective, but also make giving tools that allow artists to be successful. So that's kind of our next bits is let's make sure that we're actually building stuff. And those are, our, we take the little victories of bringing on a new artist and, and helping them get a successful release. Hmm. Something I've been exploring recently is this idea of sharing and that most things that you want are on the other side of conversation. So I'm wondering how important the process of sharing and, and talking with others was to creating this project. To be quite honest with you, like, I would say that I'm a fairly lazy person. <laughs> so I, uh, I definitely did the social contract thing. So having one of your close friends be your co-founder and then just spinning the company 50-50. So it's like, look, if you ever are letting somebody down, you're letting down a good friend of yours. And then hmm. no, seeing each other work definitely feeds into the, hey, keep this going because the other person's working on it too. But I told absolutely every one of my friends what I was working on at the beginning and all the way up to the grandiose ideas of what we want to do with the company in time. And every time you see somebody, the next thing is, is like, how's the company going? How's single going? And so you, you create that contract between you and your friends of saying like, yeah, you want to make it work because you don't want to either let them down or you don't want to be seen as you didn't actually full, like follow through with it. So that part of the conversation is huge, but obviously our industry as a whole is all conversation based being a, a good hang and being able to go talk to somebody and, and just kind of work through what they're working on and ways that you can help them. And that's pretty much how we've structured the entire company. Lazily ambitious. I like that. They say that some of the biggest companies in the world, the fortune 500 companies are almost all partnerships. So I guess there must be something to that. Yeah, I mean, it, I wouldn't have been able to do it by myself. I'm not even just from a technical perspective, just because I would have let myself get bored or something like that. And I'm I'm the first to admit that because I think that there's something that's good about being honest in that. So it's more just keeping every day is the new day and keeping with it and then going with the little victories on a daily basis for sure. Mm. Are there any books that have helped you on your journey or other resources? I am a horrible reader, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I wish that I was better. I just have a, a very bad attention. Probably, I mean, I was diagnosed ADD when I was a kid, but they hand that diagnosis out like it was candy. But yeah, I would, I would have to assume that I probably am because my attention in reading is very poor. I read a lot of articles, and I read a lot of, and I listen to a lot of speeches mm. between people. So I, I listen to a lot of speeches and I, I read a lot of short form articles and, and a lot of that stuff is just based around, I don't know, like, I like to read about things that have nothing to do with music. Um, I read articles, like the weirdest articles, I'll go on Wikipedia or Reddit and I'll read about just random subjects and that kind of gives me, I focus so much on work all the time that that's kind of a way for me to not focus on it. 
Yeah. So I, uh, that that's kind of, yeah, I wish that I had a list of, that I could say, these are the books that led me to be the way that I am, but I don't have them. No, that's cool. Uh, I can appreciate that. You know, a lot of articles and, and videos and things like that have helped you. And I find, you know, most of the time I'm pretty calm and level-headed, but you put a guitar in my hands and I can't focus. I'm all, all over the place <laughs> playing different songs, even in rehearsals, can't focus. And then if you put a computer in front of me, it's the same thing. I'll just be looking at stats. I'll be looking at this, that, and the other. So <laughs> on that yeah, level, I can absolutely. really... Yeah. Oh, I drive the other guys in the office crazy and my fiance as well too, because I just, I work listening to music. I'll always have media going because I can tone it out and focus on what I'm, because that kind of helps calm my brain a little bit. Yeah. But I know that it's, that's not typical for most people. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks so much for your time and generosity, Tommy. Is there anything else I should have asked? Uh, no, I mean, and like I said, if there's, I'm very easy to get a hold of if you come to our website or even if you just email Tommy at singlemusic.com, I'm happy to answer. And so you can find me, you can come to our website, we singlemusic.com. We have live chat on there. We even do live video demos if you're curious and just kind of want to see what, how everything works. We'll sit down with you for a half hour and just walk through it and answer any of your questions. So we try to be as open as possible to helping artists and kind of helping them get set up. So reach out to me, reach out to my team, but thank you for having me. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast. <laughs>